Haha. Figured it out. Yeah, it's uh oh my goodness, I had to actually actually had rearranged some of the room here. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta get all this stuff plugged in again, and this goes here and that goes there and ah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, it's been a while since we've uh dropped an episode, so I feel Yeah, I'm a little rusty. Just mm-hmm. just a little rusty. Mm-hmm. But uh oh my goodness. I enjoyed our video chat the other day. That was, that was quite good. Very enjoyable. uh, Indeed. (sighs) Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a nice little. Hopefully it was a break from, you know, from everything. (laughs) It's been, yeah, pretty, well, yeah, (laughs) it's been crazy. Maybe we'll start and then we can talk about that. Sure. Welcome back to another episode of Scouting Stuff You Should Know. First episode of 2021, and you've got two of us again this evening. I'm Scouter Ken, and over yonder, still social distancing across this fine thing called the internet, Scouter Colin. Hello. Uh, well, 2021 is off to a great start as the sequel to 2020. Uh, so, yeah. One, one could say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in like an Empire Strikes Back sense of the word. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't even know anymore. So, no, just <laughs> I mm, cannot even. My look, goodness. Look, look for the positives. Look for the positives. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, you know, and there are a few of those. Yeah, um, agreed. But <laughs> because you know what, I really needed to do just you know as a. Because I wasn't busy enough over over the, the over the holiday, mm-hmm. um, which is to say that I was incredibly busy all through the holiday, <laughs> uh, pretty much wall to wall. I'd actually thought about like, oh well, maybe on like the week after Christmas, I'll do like another Scouting Five episode just to wrap up the year. No, that didn't happen. I had no time to even get in front of the microphone. It just there was mm. just not there. Yeah. So what do you do in that situation? Well, if you're me, you decide that since you're not posting anything to the podcast, you're going to completely upend how the podcast is hosted and what kind of website it has. That sounds about like your speed. (laughs) Yeah, because that makes sense. (laughs) But that's what I did. So anyways, yeah, uh, there's a little bit of news for you out there in listener land. Uh, We are back. We are still publishing. Sorry for a bit of a late start this year, but uh, we'll get into why it's a little late. Uh, but yes, one thing you may well have noticed is new branding for the podcast. I came up with a bunch of new graphic images for like podcast art and for Scouting 5 and for the banners on social media sites that have banners. Not all of them do. Yeah. And then I, yeah. It was looking good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted something that was a little bit more consistent and like, you know, the logo I had come up with the initial logo, of course, the old flirtily with the microphone, and then mm-hmm. someone got really mad at me about that, and so I changed it to this new one with had a scout scarf around it. And that was good, too, and kept that one for several years. But, like, I was never really happy with the header image, with the sound mm-hmm. waves, and then the flirtily. Yeah. So then I, uh, I treated myself to a month of Canva Pro, which gave me access to their logo designer. And uh, so I was able to whip up, like, a very consistent-looking set of graphics for the podcast. I'm really, really happy about that. And then as I was doing that, um, 
and the nice thing is I could do that like from my phone, right? So like if I had like five minutes, I could just like log into Canva and be just like, oh, let's try this element and this element and da 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 Ah, that looks nice. Okay, cool. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep that. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I did is, so um, I'd kind of been look. I mean, we, we made a bunch of like financial changes behind the scenes. So there was sort of an impetus for me to get rid of all the frivolous spending that I could. And I mean, obviously I can't get rid of all of it, but I've, was kind of looking at, you know, the Podbean subscription and thinking, you know, I could probably uh, do this another way. And so I moved over to Anchor.fm. And now, of course, I love Anchor as a hosting platform. I use them for the other podcast as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the one thing Podbean did do was it let us build a web page. So instead of staying at Podbean and using their tech to build a web page. And that's kind of been a one particular source spot I had with Podbean. I mean, I like them as a host uh, in terms of like, you know, file storage and everything like that. But um, their website templates were, I just, I was never happy with them. I could never get the site to look the way I wanted to. Um, there's always a little bit, you know, web 1.0 about it, I found. Mm-hmm. So uh, over the holiday, I was just trolling through my news feeds one night while waiting for William to fall asleep. And I, learned about PodPage. And so I took a look at their service and it's very low effort for me. Like it basically, all I have to do is publish an episode at Anchor with full show notes and it will just grab everything. It'll grab the text, it'll grab the audio, it'll grab Anchor's own embed player, it'll grab the image and it will just automatically update the website for me. It's perfect. Um, Their templates look much cleaner. They're more mobile friendly. They have their own built-in recording solution as opposed to using SpeakPipe, which we were using at the Podbean site. And uh, overall, you know, yes, they're not free, but what Podbean was charging me versus what Podpage is charging me, uh, it worked out rather well. So it was a bit of a savings there too. So I was able to kind of streamline the budget side of things, get a much cleaner website out of it. And, uh, you know, and then also rebrand the podcast entirely because why not? (sighs) It's awesome. So, yeah. So I'm largely pretty happy about that. Uh, the only holdout now is Overcast. Um, that was the other thing I did is I downloaded like every major podcast player I could just to see how we were actually showing up in them. Ah. And I identified a couple that were um, not picking up the latest and greatest of our episodes. So I tried to get that corrected and mm-hmm. thought I had it all squashed, but now Overcast has evidently lost us again. So I got to see about getting us back on there, but I'm sure that's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we're starting 2021 with a bit of a new look and a bit of new hosting. And I don't know, I'm kind of just hoping it uh, carries forward from there. I'm uh, I'm certainly happy about the level of effort that I have to put in, which is overall lower. Because <sighs> I have had zero time. <laughs> as As far as hobbies go... You know, your hobbies should be easy to do. They shouldn't be, you know, uh, uh, a source of stress for you. It should help you relax, right? (laughs) They definitely should. And yeah, this was not a relaxing holiday by any, by any stretch. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because it was a pandemic holiday and we didn't do anything and we didn't, well, no, mm, we didn't go see anybody, but we sure as heck did a lot of things. Um, We, you know, like. Um, I, I took a few days off, but I was also still working from home. So that consumed part of it. Grace actually worked a fair bit over the course of those weeks. So a lot of time was just spent, you know, 
hanging out with the kids and we did just so much stuff around the community with the kids. We went sledding more times than I can count. I'm building an ice track in the backyard. We went skating a bunch of times. Just, you know, easy outdoor activities that don't require us to be near other people. Yeah, no. That's <laughs> what you should do. But, uh, yep. but yeah, it was, uh, uh, sounds quite, uh, quite busy. Yep. And then, of course, like we still did all the feasting. It, it's just that it was mm-hmm. just us. Um, but there's a lot of dinner preparation. There's a lot of preparation that goes into Ukrainian food. So, you know, like that was part of it and just getting ready for Christmas and getting all the gift wrap. That was part of it. Yeah. Uh, and then in the week following there was, you know, um, sort of <laughs> recovering from all of that and getting the house cleaned up again. And then of course there was that week of online schooling at the start of January, which oh, was right. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you know, I didn't take a lot of vacation in 2020, but, uh, some of my banked vacation days went towards the start of 2021 because it was literally like, I just told my manager, I'm like, I'm not working that week. You know, mm-hmm. we've got three kids doing school at home. I'll be doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was not wrong. <sighs> so that was my holiday. How was yours? I hope yours was more restful. <laughs> um, so uh, less, less to do and um, more, more of my feet was up and I watched a lot of movies and I, because I took the time off between Christmas and New Year's um, from a work perspective, and right. uh, it's just yeah, I I didn't really do anything. I uh, I did some housework, and you know the the list of little projects you have around the house that you just never really have the time for. You start doing them, and they slowly, you know, uh, the the list slowly gets smaller, and and then you figure out that there's more things that you could do, and you know, a couple trips to the eco station and and mm. things like that. You know, yeah. so for me it wasn't it, it wasn't uneventful, but uh, I was by no means uh, busy like you were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I feel like my time was more relaxed, and I'll be honest, I actually enjoyed the fact that I had no family, no external family obligations as much as I do like it around the holidays to go and, you know, spend time with family and I missed it. Don't get me wrong. I actually, yeah. there, there was a part of me that enjoyed just being at home and, you know, you're, you're cooking dinner, but it's for the, the, you, you and your family and it's, you sit down and it's, it's way more relaxed or at least that's how it felt like to me. Yeah. In a way I, I, I do agree. And I mean, like, I totally missed, like, you know, seeing Grace's family. Uh-huh. Um, really, really miss seeing them. Because, um, uh-huh. you know, we have, it's a big multi-day thing. <sighs> but we did the Ukrainian Christmas Eve, uh, yeah. you know, fish dinner. And then we did Christmas Day. We didn't do turkey this year. We just had a really big chicken from a Hutterite colony. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of the same dishes. Actually, Christmas dinner was kind of cool because... Christmas dinner on the 25th was kind of cool because I guess I shouldn't say we did a lot of the same dishes. We did some of the same dishes, but kind of as a compensation for the fact that we weren't going to be seeing anybody, we Uh made an agreement with the girls uh, and William that uh, basically everybody who'd be sitting around the table got to like, you know, the chicken was a done thing. That was going to happen Uh regardless. But everybody sitting around the table got to pick one other dish and we'd figure out a way to make it work. Oh, nice. So that, that's smart. Yeah. So, you know, it was a little bit like 
it wound up being a really, really delicious spread, but it was a little bit atypical because we had the chicken <laughs> and then like Elena wanted macaroni and cheese and Ella wanted Brussels sprouts. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it kind of just goes from there. It wound up working out that we had, you know, a good balance, you know, meat, veggies, starches. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, a little bit, it was good. Uh, I uh, think uh, like, that like might be said, a, a little, a little atypical, like, you yeah. Know. <laughs> Might be the sort of thing that I uh, might be the sort of tradition that we want to keep running for for just in general, right? Because it mm-hmm. kind of it worked out to be a rather fun thing. So, mm-hmm. no, but we yeah. we went down the list in our house, and it was just like, well, what what do you want to eat for for Christmas? And I mean, we still did the big spread, and I mean, it was just you know, uh, just three of us. But I mean, it was uh, turkey, ham, uh, pierogies, cabbage rolls. Uh, you know, like we just a couple of different salads. You know, and it, it, it's everything you would normally have at a big family feed. But we did it, and there was the three of us, so everybody got like leftovers, and we ate for an entire week after the, <laughs> after, the after the meal. So I mean, it worked out well in that regard yeah definitely yeah we had leftovers for a few days too i think i'm actually like i'm done with cabbage rolls for a little bit oh i'm good yeah you you, you'll be fine if you don't see a cabbage roll for the next few weeks (laughs) yeah yeah i think i I think i can just coast from here for a little bit especially because we also did ukrainian christmas ah yes yep so happy ukrainian new year by the way oh thank you same to you (laughs) uh recording this on thursday which would be the uh the orthodox new year Mm. uh so anyways yeah oh and that that was the other thing we did we just we kind of again you know looking for activities that we could do around the idea of you know christmas and winter time that would allow for social distancing so we basically just started like picking different communities around around town uh, Mm -hmm. because they're all they all have names right and of course around here like depending on what the name of your community is the streets all start with that same letter Ah, uh, yes. So, yep. you know, if the name of your community starts with L, all the street starts with L. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we would just pick a community. It's like, oh, let's go to the G's tonight or let's go to the W's tonight. And yeah. we'd just drive around and look at Christmas lights, right? Just night after night after night. And then uh, we have a we have another tradition where, you know, there's like one night that's the official Christmas light drive. And mm-hmm. this year that was Candy Cane Lane. So, but there's oh, a whole okay. process to it where like we have hot chocolate and yeah. 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 <laughs> You gear up for that. Yeah, that one's that one's a special one. Um, but so you know that was cool too. Looking at Christmas lights, um, just yeah, it it worked out to be I think overall a really good Christmas. And it was in some ways you know nice to not have the hustle and bustle of having to you know go here, go there, and see everybody um, and miss some <laughs> of the arguments that usually attend you know my family dinners. Yeah, but uh, different at the same time. So we did do like the gift opening Zoom meeting on Christmas Day with Grace's uh, Grace's sisters and her parents, and that was oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Same with our family. We just uh, we just did a Zoom call and and everybody just piled on. Nice. Which it, I don't I don't know if you find that, but it's uh, a Zoom call with everybody is is can be challenging. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as well, far as like conversation goes, right? Because. In a, in a big family, um, I, I, I'm sure you've experienced this. The do you have the ability to carry on like three or four different conversations at a time, or at least 
switch gears and swing into a, a, a different conversation that's been going on. Like it know, depends. It, yeah. That that's something that I was always really good at is like, I could be having a conversation with uh, one of my siblings uh, and then just immediately change gears and have a, a jump into a conversation that's been going on between my older sister and my mom, for example, you know, be able to chime right. in with some comment or, uh, or uh, useless factoid or whatever. Right. You know, and then back into, back into the other conversation. So, but I wondered if, if people from large families uh, experience that because that's one of the things I have from growing up uh, in a large family. Um. Yeah, some somewhat. I mean, I'm not really that great at jumping between trains of thought or tasks uh, at the best of times. I'm very much mm. like I'm a unit processor. I really am. Uh, okay. um, but I can do it a little bit, right? Like I, it, I can mm-hmm. be, you know, if I'm conversing with a person, I'll tend to just be kind of like into that. And mm-hmm. then, well, I'll, I'll either be into it or I'll be completely disconnected from it. And it's kind of just, well, we, we're talking, <laughs> but like, I'm not really invested in this. Um, mm. But And then if someone else comes along, like I can, you know, have a few words with them, but like not without like significantly breaking focus. And then I got to struggle to get focus back. So not like that so much. I did Uh. learn that, um, I I did learn just in the last couple of days that apparently myself and my four siblings all have a, uh, a shared nightmare. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Or it's, well, uh, here's the weirder part. Um, only three of them get it as a nightmare. Two of us oh. get it as a waking sensation. Oh. But it's all broadly the same. Like, it's all broadly the same thing. There's a sort of a, a series of, uh, or a, a set of, and it's, it's percep- like, it's a perception based thing, right? It's like, you know, all of a sudden how you're perceiving the room around you shifts mm-hmm. wildly and it's really quite disconcerting but Uh apparently we all all five of us get some form of that which is weird to me but i guess it's kind of nice to know Uh at the same time so well that's neat yeah i mean it's not you know or or weird it's an interesting data point anyways (laughs) yeah so things you learn uh Uh with late and late night facebook chats with Uh your siblings Uh uh-huh So anyway, so, um, for a topic, it's a lot of banter. Wow. 20 minutes in and yeah, (laughs) you got a lot to catch up on. Yeah. It's been a month. We got to catch up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Our last full episode (laughs) was the good turn episode and that was over a month ago. So my goodness. Mm. Yeah. Anyways. Um, oh, and of course, scouting has restarted, um, And it is a new scouting year now, right? Like it's 2021 and Scouts that, Canada changed that, their policy to follow the calendar year instead of the school right. year. And they, they decided to just go with the January one as a, as a start of a scout year. Yep. So we are into the next scouting season now, mm-hmm. um, which I think is still throwing off some of my fellow scouters uh, a little bit. Um, but, and, and even me too, like, you know, I'm just like, oh yeah, okay. So we're four months in. No, wait, we're Two weeks in. Okay. (laughs) Four days in. What? Yeah. What what year is it? Uh, Do years even matter anymore? (laughs) Where am I? (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
And I mean, we, we kicked off, uh, the scouts kicked off again this week. Um, mm-hmm. Cubs kicked off this week. We kicked off Cubs by just introducing Cub Cars. And oh, uh, we've got some plans for how we're going to be doing the Cub Car thing this year. I might make that another episode. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I think I, I think that would be a, a good topic to cover because there's, I'm sure there's some options depending on what uh, what the uh, health guidelines are for uh, for for the provinces and and whatnot. Yeah. Well, once we finalize our plans, maybe we'll uh-huh. uh, we'll set up an episode and I'll see if I can get Corey and or Jason to hop in as well, and we'll just have a big talk through about it because we've we're mm-hmm. germinating two or three different ideas right now and it's kind of just looking at the logistics for each and yeah. trying to figure out what'll work best i know a few groups have done virtual cub car rallies to varying degrees of success and mm. so i'm kind of trying to borrow from all of their knowledge but then we also want to try and you know there, there we have a few ideas of like oh we could make this fun this way yeah um, you want you want to add your own spin to it a little bit too yeah pun intended <laughs> But yeah, so, but we did like an introduction to the cub cars and I did like a, you know, I have a cub car kit and a Pinewood Derby kit. So I did an unboxing of both of those Uh and then we, you know, did a little video on like how to make a fast cub car. Um, just, you know, and then some Q and A about it afterwards, right? Just kind of introduced it. And we're going to be handing out the kits. Um, basically like, you know, the, the thing that I liked about the video that we looked at, uh, was that, you know, the, the guy who did it, um, he's the glitter bomb guy. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did a, a thing about Pinewood Derby cars, which are cut. That's American for cup car. Um, and the, the point that he made was, you know what? The aerodynamic part doesn't account for the best speed gains anyways. So yes, make it not a block, but don't break yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's been, that was, I think, really good for the Cubs to hear. And I kind of repeated it two or three times talking about the video afterwards, because one of the issues we've had being... That, you know, like we're, we're an urban group and we have a real admixture of uh, economic backgrounds in the group. Oh. And we also have a real admixture of living circumstances in the group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we've found in previous years that, you know, we've had Cubs come to us and saying, you know, we don't have any power tools at home or we don't have a garage or, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things, right? Um, yeah. Not every youth has felt that they're in a position to be able to make a good cup car. And it was really, really great that, you know, he made this video and, you know, like he showed all the scientific principles for making a really fast cup car. And then at the end of it, he's like, and just to prove that this is true, I'm going to make a car in 45 minutes <clears throat> that will be like just the fastest thing. And he did. Uh, right. And I mean, he just cut a very simple wedge shape with a hand hacksaw. Uh-huh. And duct taped his weights to it, right? And I think that was, I think, almost as valuable as anything for the kids to see because it's like, you know, yeah, like you don't need a full garage decked out with power tools to make a good cub car. Like just, you know, you can go and get a hand tool, do a basic little cut just to make it not a block. And then, you know, if you want to spend all the time painting, go and spend Mm -hmm. all the time painting, but don't worry about the shape. Yeah. Yeah. Too much, right? Um, but you know, put your weights here <laughs> don't worry about the shape too much, decorate it as much as you want. And, uh, so hopefully this year, so we're going to have them all available. There's going to be, uh, like 
they'll be available for pickup. And then if anybody doesn't pick up, we might drop them off a week or two from now. And at some point they'll have to give them all back to us and we'll race them. Uh But, you know, we're still figuring that last part out. Anyways, that wasn't quite the topic I was focusing on. No, I was. Yeah. (laughs) And yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were just dropping the car puns. It's awesome. Um, I got to thinking about like, you know, some of the episodes we've done where we pick apart, you know, a particular thing that's particular to scouting. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that we never really, I don't think we ever looked at the question of why badges? I know we've talked about badges, but I don't think we've ever really asked the question of why badges? Why badges? And, uh, here's the weird thing. Um, (laughs) that's actually a really hard question to find an answer to. Well, I think I think that's one of those questions that uh, I think if you ask a hundred people, you might get a hundred different answers as to why why badges, right? From from every everyone being like, well, well, why badges? Like, I I could I couldn't be bothered anyways to yeah, they're very useful in helping to design a program and and structure a program and give give attainable goals and all that kind of stuff, like. That's, you know, you're jumping ahead of me a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, I was thinking, so as I was searching around, I found a few things, uh, but not a lot of things. But one of the things I did, there's a quote attributed to Baden Powell, which is Uh something along the lines of, you know, um, when a fisherman is baiting his hook, he doesn't give the fish what he likes to eat. He gives the fish what the fish likes to eat. So too with boys. Um, which is to say that, you know, if you want to, you know, he's talking about it, I think more from the perspective of capturing the attention, right? Like building uh-huh. that engagement, you know, don't give them something that you, the scout leader, uh-huh. the adult are really, really enthused about, engage them with something that they are really, really enthused about, or be- can become really, really enthused about. And certainly it's been my experience that badges are an example of that, right? Like they're just the, the, the receiving of this token, this colorful artistic token, um, for an activity, right? Whether in recognition of a goal accomplished or of an event attended, um, these are sought after things for, for many, many of the youth that come through the program, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everybody likes to get the crest. Everybody likes to get the badge. And so that's, uh, that is an excellent thing. And so I started looking for sources on like the history of merit badges. And it may not surprise the listeners that the most comprehensive resource I could find that talked about the history of merit badges was from Scouts BSA. Um, Because I've talked in the past about how Scouts BSA does a really, really good job of documenting everything. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, they have actually ensured that there's a nice Wikipedia page talking about the history of merit badges granted within the context of the BSA program. But they note that, you know, in the article, they note that merit badges have been an integral part of the scouting program since the start of the movement in the United Kingdom back in 1907. And they continue to be an important part of the uniform and insignia of scouts BSA and many other scouting organizations around the world, which led me back then to, uh, well, what's the ultimate source for scouting in 1907? Scouting for boys. Uh And so 
I just pulled up. I have a PDF version of Scouting for Boys, and I uh, just started searching through it. And so, in and the Scouts BSA article is exactly right. Like in the preface to the book, under the explanation of scouting, um, you know, Baden Powell writes. Our training divides itself under four heads, individual character training and resourcefulness, observation, self-reliance to gain the scout's badge, handicrafts or hobbies, which may help a boy to make his way in life, for which we give proficiency badges. Uh, So right there, like right in the preface, talks about badges. And then the next invocation of the word badge comes a little bit later in the book where he's talking about Kim's training. Um, And of course, you know, that's where we get Kim's game from, right? where, you know, you show the youth a collection of items on a tray and then take it away after a few seconds and ask, you know, they have to tell you as many things as they remember on the tray. Yeah. Uh, And of course, after that and much other training, Kim was eventually made a member of the Secret Service in that particular story and was given a secret sign, namely a locket or a badge to wear around his neck, as well as a certain sentence, which if said in a special way meant that he was one of the service. As far as I know, that keyword was not tenet. Most of you probably haven't seen that movie. Um, <laughs> I would, I would guess not. <laughs> and that joke falls flat. Okay, good. Yeah. Let's, keep <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Further on, under talking, about, you know, in the section of Scouting for Boys where he's talking about becoming a scout, um, another invocation of a badge. When you have satisfied your scout master, the man in charge of your troop, that you can do all the things and do them properly. You will be invested as a scout and be entitled to wear the Tenderfoot badge. And I'm just reading these verbatim, and I'm not really in a mental state to try and transpose into gender-neutral language. So, uh, yeah. any listeners out there who are concerned at my use of you know gendered language, just please bear with me. I'm literally just reading the text right off the page. Um, but do feel free to transpose this in your own mind. Ah, and then of course later on in the book there's description there's a significant description of the scout badge and that's you know the arrowhead or now we would call it the fleur de lis with be prepared on the little banner underneath it he describes that at some length further on again in the book um, after talking about the investiture of a scout talking about he uh, Baden Powell goes on to talk about going on in scouting there's a little section entitled this um, and. You know, he talks about how, like, there's the badge of the second-class scout, which is that scroll piece alone. Uh, And then, of course, the first-class badge consists of the arrowhead and the scroll. And then he talks briefly about winning proficiency badges for your hobbies. And then, even further on, talking to patrol leaders, he has a little boxed-out section called A Word to Patrol Leaders where he writes, the most important step to this is your own example. Well, you know what? Maybe it's worth it just reading the whole darn thing. I want you patrol leaders to go on and train your patrols entirely yourselves because it is possible for you to get hold of each boy in your patrol and make a good fellow of him. It is no use having one or two brilliant boys and the rest no good at all. You should try to make them all fairly good. I like that he's never really, you know, asking for perfection. Uh, Uh The most important step to this is your own example, because what you do yourselves, your scouts will do also. Show them, then, that you can obey orders, whether they are given by word of mouth or are printed or written rules, and that you carry them out, whether your scoutmaster is present or not. Show them that you can earn badges for proficiency, and your boys will follow with very little persuasion. But remember that you must give them the lead and not the push. Uh Again, talking about proficiency badges again there, but he doesn't really, there's not really a... uh, 
a list of, you know, what those proficiency badges might be. He mentions there, you know, the, the possible association with your hobbies, but that's about it. Um, there's another badge a little bit later on that's mentioned in the book where he's talking about um, the self-improvement. This is in the self-improvement chapter of the book. Um, so he mentions there's a missioner's badge that can perhaps be obtained um, through the scout's practice of good turn, uh, good turns, and the wholehearted realization of God through the study of nature. Um and then, yes, again, shortly on in the same section, you know, from hobbies introduced by way of the proficiency badge system, many a boy has found his life interest in life work. So what the Scouts BSA article says is entirely true. From the get-go, um, badges have been a part of the, the design of the scouting program. That said, you know, even though Scouting for Boys does have many examples of discussion of badges, the only badge that it actually gives specific example of is that initial scout badge, which is, again, the arrowhead, now we would call it a fleur-de-lis, with the little be-prepared scroll underneath. And evidently that was a two-part badge at the founding of the movement. You get the scroll for your second class, and then the arrowhead when you get your first class. Okay, but you were, you were pretty much onto it when, you know, you talked about why we give badges. They're, you know, essentially a... Uh, they're essentially a way to, you know, they're, they're a quick and easy, but also a very consistent way to reward a youth who has done a certain thing or been part of a certain thing. And it's sort of a, in a way, it's almost a common currency, you know, that yeah. you can use to, uh, you know, as, as a reward system. Well, personal, kids, yeah, I was just going to say, personally, I see it. Uh, like, uh, ultimately the badges being, a a, a reward for doing, uh, uh, doing the requirements, but the requirements themselves broken, broken out, uh, like a, a scout or a youth can look through the, the requirements for a badge and just, and, and, and just see these small, yeah, yeah, there's, you know, five or six requirements, but each one by itself is, is, oh, well, that's attainable and that's you know oh i've done that and hey i did that and that's just from personal experience me going through uh remembering what it was like to to uh go through the badge requirements in in the scout books and and just yep. be, and just be ticking off what i what i know i can accomplish and what i have accomplished and 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 seeing those requirements diminish and being like, oh, you know, I'm only like one requirement away from from getting this badge, and then, you know, that means that I get this award or whatever. So, For you sure. know, it's, it, it, I that it, that's at least my takeaway from from the the badge program in general. No, exactly. And I mean, to be fair, like you know, we've modified how we do badges here in Scouts Canada versus Scouts BSA. Like Scouts BSA has sort of the more classical merit badge type system. So uh -huh. the badges are very specific, right? There's, I can't remember how many, it's like 130 odd badges. I think it actually varies I, a little bit per council, but. I, yeah. And I, I think we, we may have touched on that in one of our other badge episodes yeah. as well. Right. But those are very specific badges, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Kind of following along with that ideal of hobbies, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, okay, you like, you know, there's a stamp collecting badge or whatever. Um, and we had those the same, you know, when you and I went through Cubs and Scouts, um, mm-hmm. Beavers didn't earn badges at the time. But, you know, we had the same thing, right? Like they're very specific badges. Uh, and now, you know, we have two different badge streams that still kind of touch on all the same stuff, but they've broken it out into two different streams. And, you know, again, so we have now in the Scouts Canada program and anything based on one program, so like Scouts Ireland and a bunch of other national organizations, have the um, outdoor adventure badges or adventure badges, whatever you want to call them. But these are the badges that are tied to the more scout craft side of things, right? So this is, you know, these are the badges for hiking and for camping and for emergency aid and for, you know, in Canada, there's like winter skills because it's Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. Ireland doesn't necessarily have a winter skills badge, but they have other ones, you know, other outdoor focused badges uh, that would replace it. Um, but then we also have the personal achievement badges. Ireland has a version of these kind of in their, uh, they call them SIBs. I can't remember what that stands for. Um, but it's, it's more the, that's where like the hobby side stuff comes in, but Mm -hmm. rather than being specific, as we've talked about, they're sort of general categories, right? They're not, you know, there's not like a stamp collecting badge and a drawing badge and things like that. There's like just an art badge and a hobby badge. So regardless, you know, if you have any kind of hobby, well, guess what? We can, you know, we can find a way to give you the hobby badge for that by exploring your own hobby further. Um, you know, there's a technology badge. So rather than, you know, having badges, like we don't have a cyber chip, we don't have badges specific to doing certain tasks on a computer using computers in a certain way. We just have a technology badge and however you want to go about exploring technology, we can find a way to work that into you getting a badge. Um, so, you know, we've kind of moved away from the strict idea of merit badges or the strict, you know, that the the very specific focus of merit badges. But at the end of the day, it's still the same principle underneath. We're still trying to encourage the youth to embark upon different kinds of adventures, whether that's exploring their own passions and interests or exploring and learning the skills of scoutcraft. And at the end result of that, they get a badge. And some of those badges can even go on their uniform, right? And we also give out badges at the time of investiture, right? Because that's another significant milestone. That's another time we want to mark. Uh, and we do that with, you know, that same sort of common currency of achievement, the badge, right? They get the group badge, they get the area badge, they get the council badge at the time that they're invested. And then, of course, we also have, you know, all the crests that would get collected onto campfire blankets or backpacks or whatever they want to affix them to mm. um, for like, you know, hey, you attended this camp. Not that we're going to be doing that for a while. Bah. <laughs> but, and I mean, you know, what else do we do at those big camp type events, right? There's always badge trading. Yeah. And I love badge trading, right? Because I mean, well, and I love it for two reasons. One, I love the artistry that goes into so many of these badges, you know, um, the, you know, I love the Aspen Plains badge. It's a beautiful badge, but just some of the different badges that have been come up with over the years for different events or, or even different groups, um, it's always fun to see what crops up in badge trading because there are some truly genuinely beautiful crests that have been created over the many, many years of the scouting program. And, uh, 
you know, and some are more sought after than others, right? Um, and it doesn't even have to be like anything, you know, I, I've, I've been surprised in years past where, um, do you remember those Alberta Wild Rose Shields badges that we had on our uniforms at one point? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Those, those have been, I've seen those be extremely popular just because they're a beautiful badge, right? You know, it's got that, uh, sort of the George Cross type shield and, mm-hmm. uh, and a nice flower on it. Like it looks nice. <laughs> so it's always, it's always interesting to see which, uh, which badges prove to be the popular ones <laughs> at uh, any given badge trading event. But you know, yeah, that's another yeah. big part of it too. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Diving into sort of the history of Hawaii badges in a way, yeah, you kind of, you know, it's not even that there's, you know, you ask a hundred people, you get a hundred answers. It's mm-hmm. you ask all the major search engines and you get vanishingly few answers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, um, what, yeah. One one side of the uh, discussion that we, we hadn't uh, come on, and, and I'm not sure if we want to really dive into that, is do you think you could have a scouting program without badges? Like, let's just... You know, knowing what we know about badges and kind of their institutional background with, with uh, you know, Baden-Powell having them in the, in the, 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 the earliest scouting groups and that kind of thing. But we look at it, uh, do you think the program would be as successful as it is based on, you know, if they decided that eh, badges are not a requirement it's not a it's not a necessity well yeah you totally could but so let's just looking back at you know baden powell's writing scouting for boys there right and in particular his focus like he he touches on the proficiency badges two or three times but he really says you know like well these are just you know these are for your hobbies okay fine he doesn't really get too particularly specific about what those badges might entail. And you almost get the sense that it's kind of just like, well, whatever you can come up with, right? And we'll figure out a way to make a badge for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that he puts a lot of detail on is the scout badge. Mm-hmm. And in particular, the fact that the scout badge is a two-stage badge to earn. You know, you get invested mm-hmm. and you get your you get the scroll, so you're sec- a second class. And then right. when you achieve your first class rank, you get the arrowhead. Right. But and... I- yeah. So I, let me finish the thought, right? Sorry, yeah, because sorry, yeah. he's using the scout badge as essentially a progression marker. And that's how Scouts BSA does with the merit badges, right? To get your eagle, you have to attain a certain number of merit badges and something like 13 of them have to be, you know, very particular specified badges, right? So you have to get like this these particular merit badges, and then also some number of additional merit badges from the rest of the catalog, right? That's part of the requirements of getting your eagle. And we have that too in Scouts Canada in a way, because to get, say, your chief scout, you need to attain a certain number of levels across the nine outdoor adventure skills. Uh So right now, and you know, from the founding of scouting to now, badge earning has been a means not only of rewarding achievement, but also for us as the scouters, as the leaders, to track a youth's progression through Uh the program. Uh Now, to your question, if we suddenly stripped away badges entirely, could we still have a scouting program? Absolutely. I'm not sure how we would track progression, but I'm sure we'd figure out a way. (laughs) But then equally, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what sort of other means we would adopt 
to mark the significant events and the progress that youth have made. But I would want there to be something. Yeah, I was going to say it's kind of interesting in the sense that, you know, does the program, you know, the the program kind of emerge from the requirements that were founded for the badge or did the program exist and then the badges just come as an afterthought? Well, I think the badges, it's kind of a, I mean, certainly like, again, looking through scouting for boys, the requirements are what they are, right? You know, he lays out the requirements for becoming invested and getting your, you know, first class. Those are Mm -hmm. laid out in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like there's different categories to it, right? You know, like he's, he wants to make sure that you're contributing to your community. He wants to, you know, make sure that you're pursuing your beliefs. He wants to make sure that you're physically fit to a certain degree, all of that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Those requirements mm-hmm. are well detailed for getting your first class. Mm-hmm. And the badge is really just an outward sign that you have achieved all of those things. I would like to think that badges continue to be that to this day. They aren't the thing that defines the program, but they're the outward sign that you've you know progressed through the program to a certain point or that you've achieved oh. certain of the aims of the program mm-hmm. um that's it you know could we have a program without badges yeah i'm pretty darn sure we could but <laughs> equally you know could we have a program without some sort of signifying and reward mechanism yeah probably but i don't think it would be as fun you know i mean yeah as much as I'd like to believe that, you know, we can have that Star Trek future where everyone just does things because doing the thing is reward in and of itself and sufficient, you know, is sufficient reward mm-hmm. in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we're, I, I don't think that is entirely reflective of the human condition. I think at some point, and not even in the sense of like, you know, hey, I did a good thing. Like, you know, where's my reward for it? But, mm-hmm. you know, for the longest time, and, you know, even today, I go somewhere, right? I travel for work. You travel for work. Uh-huh. I don't know if this is you, but whenever I go somewhere, maybe I don't need to f- bring something back physically, but I like to find something in whatever place that I'm at that I feel a bit of a bond with, uh-huh. you know? Yep. Um, I You know, I used to be a terribly just prolific souvenir collector, right? boxes of the darn things. I've let a lot of them go since then. But, you know, it's it's that same idea. It's like I did a thing. I went to a place. I mm-hmm. whatever. I just I there's some part of me that you know just wants a little thing that I can hold a little touchstone, you know, that I can just hold on to, whether it's a physical thing or a mental thing, or even just, you know, like a photo of some particular thing. Um just something that you know I can come back to and be just like, oh yeah, that was a thing. I did that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's a very human, um, that's, that's a very human feeling, a very human desire to just, you know, have those connection points with the places we've been, the things that we do. And badges mm-hmm. are a very convenient way to have that. Could you have it by some other means? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, whatever the scouting program would look like if it didn't have badges, it would have to have something else, I think, just so that, you know, the people who come through it have that little connection, little talisman of their connection to it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I, like, like I said uh, earlier, I think my, 
my personal stake in it is that it uh, it gives you some guidance. It gives you some goals. It gives you some direction on on what you need to do. And and I think I think it's important to have that in a in a program because of what you were saying uh, uh, um, with regards to the you know that desire to have something to uh, reward. I guess uh, reward the uh, the accomplishment, right? Yeah. And like I say, the reward is part of it, but then it's also just, you mm-hmm. know, again, it's that, it's that artifact or that souvenir, yeah. right? You know, like it's, yep. oh yeah, I did a thing. That was cool. Yep. Yep. And it's funny, you know, where the mind goes with that, right? Like I've got those, you know, those bracelets that Tim Hortons gives out for their camp day stuff. Oh yes. Yep. Yeah. I've got a bunch of them hanging off my mic stand here. Mm-hmm. You know what colors they are? Uh, no. Oh, I think that you do. Hey, I, I I think I do too. Uh, they're yeah. orange, and, orange and green. It's the only ones I ever get. <laughs> because you know, and, and and that's kind of you know two things at once, right? I love the Cap Day bracelets. I really really do. Um, I'm a big you know I like being able to support the the the, the Tim Hortons camps uh, and all the things they do for youth. Um, and I love that they, you know it's just yeah yeah you can get a Cap Day bracelet. Ah, oh, it's bracelet June right? June is yeah. always like Camp Month. That's always when they have the bracelets. But yeah, whenever I'm up at the window, I'm just like, do you have any orange? Do you have any green? There's a few other colors around here uh, from the times that, you know, it's like, oh, no, we only have blue left. Okay, fine. I'll take blue. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's like on the one hand, it's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, here, you supported the camp. Here's a bracelet. But then also it's like, you know, for me, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, well, orange and green. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is my biggest souvenir, right? Like that's just, and it is, it's a touchstone. It's a, it's a, it's a memory marker. Oh, no. What's that? Oh, I thought I lost you there. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm good. Here. I just got quiet. Ah, okay, good. <laughs> I was I was in quiet contemplation of about our conversation. Yeah. That's, uh, well, that's good. That, that's what I was. <laughs> you never know with Discord. Yeah. Oh well, that's good. Yeah. Anyways, that's kind of where I'm coming from on all this. Yeah. Why badges? Why not? <laughs> in in a lot of ways, yeah. <laughs> And yet, you know, I mean, the youth love them and exactly. it's a good thing that the youth love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and yeah, uh, that's actually one thing that we've been doing, you know, as we continue to plan out virtual meetings, because it seems that we're going to be doing those for a little while longer, um, mm-hmm. is just figuring out ways to, you know, it's like, okay, how can we tie this back to a badge? Uh, we were yeah. having a planning meeting tonight, right? And we're literally like, okay, like what are some of the personal achievement badges that we could maybe, you know... Um, indirectly make the focus of a meeting because technically we're not supposed to, you know, shape a meeting around like, okay, everyone, we're working on this personal achievement badge tonight. Ideally, the personal achievement badges are supposed to be individually pursued. But at the same time, you know, like we're thumbing through all the personal achievement badges and we're like, which of these really gets underplayed in the program? Uh Uh, And, you know, what are some ways that we could, you know, have meetings around concepts that these badges would want us to explore? Yeah, uh, exactly. and that actually proved to be a really good planning guide. We came up with a handful of really great ideas out of that. Mm. So, you know, um, there's a little tip to end things off. All right. Do I have any? Sh- well, you know what? I don't have a shout out per se, but uh, I will just reiterate. And I got to make a little standalone announcement about this. But mm. uh, well, you know what? Actually, I guess a uh a bit of a shout out to uh jean philippe torensky 
He is with the, uh, oh shoot, is this with the third Ottawa? I believe so, yes. Um, this is the Cub Pack that has challenged Cubs across Canada. And I mean, I kind of extended the challenge to, haha, the rest of the world. Uh, but basically, you know, they want the, uh, let me see if I can pull up the specifics here. Should have them in some show notes from uh, back when. But yeah, so they issued a challenge to all Cub Scouts across Canada to basically, um, 36th Ottawa Cub Scouts, sorry, not third. 36th Ottawa Cub Scouts have challenged Cub Scouts across Canada to get out and move over the winter months ahead. So by the end of March, they challenge Cubs to complete one of the following. A 50-kilometer hike, a 100-kilometer cross-country ski, a 75-kilometer skate, or a 200-kilometer bike ride. Obviously, these distances are to be treated as cumulative. I wouldn't expect a cub to just, you know, up and cycle from Edmonton to Vermilion in a single go, especially at minus 20. But <laughs> but um, that is the challenge that has been issued. So hopefully a few uh, cub packs have taken it up. Um, because this is something that can be pursued entirely individually, right? You know, yes, the challenge can be issued so. to the Cubs as a pack, but then the Cubs yeah. can pursue it individually, right? Yeah. Go for a walk, go for a skate, go for a ski, uh, keep track of your distances, right? And there's a lot of great, you know, there's a lot of little skills that are built into this, right? Because of course you need to be able to plan ahead, bring extra gear and food if you're going for a longer walk or skate or hike or whatever you're doing, dressing uh -huh. adequately for the weather because, hey, it might be minus 20 or colder polar vortex high yeah um if it's minus 40 don't go outside too long oh. just saying you know you can wait you can wait a week <laughs> yeah um but then also you know something like oh okay well i'm gonna walk from my house to you know well i'll pick one like in my own life right like if i walk from my house to the church that i go to that's around five kilometers oh. it's like 5.1 so cool, you know, like, uh, huh? you know, that's, that's something that, and you know, I can just like, I can go to Google maps and I can say, okay, I'm starting here and I want to walk to here and huh? Google maps will give you like a walking path and an estimated time and the distance. Right. So in addition to, you know, the be prepared side of things, you know, the cubs are also going to be able to challenged to encouraged to, they're going to have to, um, look at ways to find out information about, you know, well, okay, if I did want to go from point A to point B, like, how do I find out that distance? Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I mean, what's the length of this skating rink? How many times do I have to skate back and across the skating rink to get to 75 kilometers? Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyways, if uh, you're anywhere in the world and you are a Cub Scout, feel free to take part in this challenge. And uh, report back. You can, uh, you know, either to us or if you can find the 36th Ottawa Cub Scouts online. I believe they are online. I'll see if I can find a website for them or social media or something. Throw a link in the show notes. Um, report back. Let us know. Um, because, hey, you know what? Wintertime gets cold, but that doesn't mean that you uh, can't get out there and move. Uh, so, shout out to JP. Thank you again for issuing that challenge. Uh-huh. And, of course, a shout-out to the good folks at Scouting Radio for rebroadcasting our episodes to their worldwide scouting audience. If you're listening to us on Scouting Radio right now, 
um, by all means, please do, well, A, consider subscribing to the podcast, you know, um, oh. get our episodes ahead of time. But then also, you know, do consider reaching out, letting us know you're listening. Um, we would love to hear from you. Scott or Ken? Yes. How does one get a hold of us these days? Ah, well, you know what? It's changed and it hasn't changed. Mm. The more things stay the same, the more they <laughs> change. <laughs> exactly. So, obviously, uh, of course, you can continue to email us, scoutingstuffpodcast at gmail.com or at outlook.com. Uh, you can get in touch with us via Twitter, twitter.com slash podcast. Uh, facebook.com slash scouting stuff podcast instagram.com slash scouting stuff podcast there's instant messaging on all of those platforms so by all means reach out by whatever your flavor is you can join us right here on our discord server there will be a link in the show notes and of course we always encourage you to leave us a review like to get those from you oh there's also the voice message option this is what's different okay so if you go to scouting stuff podcast.com now the uh It'll look different. That's by design. We, uh, <laughs> I, I put a lot of effort into, uh, well, not actually so much. This is mostly pod page, but then it took a while to sort of tame the template to make it look the way I liked. Mm-hmm. You got two options at the Scouting Stuff Podcast website. First, across the top bar menu, there is now a contact form link. So you can just fill out your email address, your name, send us a message. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The other option is when you're at the site... Uh, and I think this is true on both mobile and, well, the feature is available on both mobile and desktop. And I think the icon is in the same place either way, which is to say it's in the lower right-hand corner. It's a blue circle with a microphone. Okay? You click that, and you can leave us a voicemail. Nice. Yeah. And it'd be cool if someone did, because I don't think we've gotten a voicemail uh, or a voice message yet. Well, that's what JP did. That's what uh, that's what the 36 Ottawa Cubs did for Ooh. issuing their challenge. Nice. So, but yes, that was the first one in quite some time, maybe ever. So by all means, feel free to avail yourself of that same feature um, because <laughs> clearly I will happily work it into an episode. And, uh, you know, you don't even have to use it to just reach out and say hi to us. I mean, JP took advantage of it to further publicize this excellent challenge for Cub Scouts. So if your group is doing something, shoot you know you want to let the world know we'll happily help you do that mm-hmm. all right so that's all that um you got anything else my man uh no i think that's that's it you've you've phrased my thoughts eloquently as yeah. usual <laughs> oh well good <laughs> cheers okay well happy new year happy orthodox new year And to all you out there listening, thank you for listening. It's good to have you back for 2021. And until we speak again, be prepared.